0: Greetings, Minecrafters, and welcome to another thrilling conversation, Minecraft conversation on all things well-being. My name is Dr. Kimberly Quinn, and I'm here today to sort of uh, help people learn to become the boss of their brains, because it's all about thought control, largely about thought control, because thoughts come first and feelings come second, and then actions or behaviors third. So, since thoughts dictate our lives, it makes sense that we control what comes in, right? Um, because what what comes in, you know, stays in until we decide otherwise. And so obviously, if we're walking around thinking angry thoughts, we feel angry, et cetera, and so on. And so today, I would like to, you know, uh, bring this into the fact uh, that the pandemic is almost or, over, sort of kind of not sure, right? And we're all walking around like we're on the twilight zone. And so today's discussion is on after the storm. And it's interesting because I just was having a, a, a chat with my co- two of my colleagues yesterday, it came up, you know, and one of them just who, who appears very fine was just saying, you know, I, I just want to say to the two of you, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. Cause I've been just clipping along, you know, through this whole thing. And, and, um, You know, she's, you know, very active on campus and this and that. And and just talking about how we we've just we've been going for so long on this, whatever we want to call it, like pandemic autopilot, pandemic pilot. I don't know. And and now it's kind of like the storm is kind of kind of sort of winding up. Though we're not sure because, you know, it's that whole thing. It's it's over, but it's not. And we're finding ourselves. I guess in the situation where we thought this was going to be a sprint way back in March of 2020. And then there's was like some joker moved the finish line back and it turned into a marathon. And now it's, we thought the marathon was over and it's turned into an ultra. I mean, it's just so, it's so crazy. And so, you know, it's interesting because I, you know, again, just having this conversation yesterday and the other colleague that was with us was saying the same thing. And, and interesting because other colleagues, same place, Champlain only, you know, just maybe a few weeks prior. It's all very close together. We've been talking about the time discontinuancy thing. And with me being in the Fast Mind Club, like I have that anyway. Uh, but, I'm, but I just kind of figure, oh, maybe it's just me. And, like, and I've been saying to, to a bunch of colleagues, like, no, it's not just you. It's We say, oh, yeah, last summer when I did, oh, wait, that was the summer before last summer. And we stop and think because the Rona virus situation has really thrown our, you know, our, our, our ability to, to like for the, for the, for the placeholders, you know, things we've done, things we've said, um, you know, family events, things we have done with friends. And we are having a difficult time telling if that was this summer, the summer before this summer. And that's. And that's true for like just weeks and months and it's, it's just, it's all blending. And so anyway, I was reading this, this article in breathe magazine called after the storm. And it's interesting. This is the 2021 version here after the storm. And and they say in times of crisis or prolonged pressure can bring a period of intense nonstop action. But what happens when the weather breaks and, this is just is so true because I mean you can you know fill in the blank with something other than the pandemic if you've had some other big stress or trauma going on you know but I know it's been definitely true with the Rona is like again the the analogy or metaphor of you know the the track or mar- marathon really um, and moving the finish line back is we've been in this non stop non stop like pivot move more news more news then with the vax and the vax had issues and the, and now the boosters and who's getting it and who isn't da, 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 and all the numbers and the hospitals and those who aren't vax are taking up the hospitals. And it's just constant, 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 constant. And we've been holding it together because we've had to, but in a twilight zone, kind of out of it kind of way. <clears throat> and then adding to this, because you know how I feel about the universe kind of speaking to me, you know, we all have these, these moments, these conversations were all really close together. You know, one was, was, uh, hanging out with some professor friends about a a month ago, what, you know, the yesterday conversation. And then there was the last night conversation. You know, I was, I was on, um, uh, a call with friends and, uh, I've got a friend who, who teaches middle school in new England. and, And she said, Oh my gosh. You know, I asked her how, I haven't spoken to her. I mean, I've, little bit, you know, we texted, but I haven't spoken with her, spoken with her, um, since school started. And I said, you know, how is school? And she's a one, she's an amazing human being. Went back to school to to be a teacher when she already had a master's and something else. And, and, uh, she said, Oh my God, Kim, she said, I can't even tell you. And she said, it's just like, they forgot. And she, you know, it's sixth or seventh grade, I forget, but middle school. And she said, it's just like, they forgot how to behave in a classroom. And she loves what she does. And she said, think about it. They've been on a screen for school for, you know, a year and a half. So when you're on the screen, you can put your camera on. You can just go get a drink. You can play a video game. You can, you know, text your friends. You can, you know, do whatever on your phone and get up and down, up and down as you choose, right, without any kind of structure, having to sit for longer than three minutes, and she said they just the whole class is like this, and the the school the the system is maxed out with um, because she said very few of them can even sit and do anything. So what do you do with that? You can't send the entire class to the principal or the entire class to have some sort of other other consequence. And she said it's we're only mid October, and teachers and principals and everybody else who supports the faculty and everything are just absolutely. Overwhelmed, and it's only the middle of October. And then uh, this will also also over the past couple of weeks, I've had conversations. I've got friends who teach in early, early um, elementary school in the and the younger grades, and I know in for one of them, or um, in, her, in her class, very few of the kids can read. Very few of the very few of the kids can read at all, and and they're aware of it. And they want to, and there's almost some, some, some shame involved with that. And it's, and then so, and then we have also this, the, you know, being in structure again, just like my friend teaches middle school and this, you know, it can be overwhelming, you know, for the, for the whole, and these are, you know, these two or three, can thinking, thinking of several of them are just angels, just angels that fell from the clouds. It's out there to make a difference. Do all, all kinds of extra. They're those people. And for them to say they're overwhelmed and, and how things are this stressful is a really huge statement. And so then Breathe Magazine goes on to say, stress is inevitable, right? Obviously. Prolonged periods of stress are also difficult to avoid, at least occasionally. But for many people, the light at the end of the tunnel is what keeps them powering through. If I can just nail what keeps what, wait, 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 if I can just nail this business proposal, someone might think, then I'll be able to slow down. Or perhaps I just need to get beyond this deadline then I can really enjoy my time off. And think about that, right? That, that chocolate chip cookie at the end, that light at the end of the tunnel. And again, it's that finish line thing, like just moving it back. And then we start to question, even those put together seasoned grown ups start to question, is this ever going to end, Right is this ever going to end and some level, like, what's this going to be like? And, you know, just like we were talking about with the happiness advantage, when we, when we, when we kind of have this, this formula going in our head, like once I do this, I'll, once I check this box, I'll be happy. Once I check this box, I can then relax. So we keep pushing that envelope over the cognitive horizon and that happiness, because we keep pushing it farther, farther back, doesn't happen. And meanwhile, We've got all of our very, um, our all of our survival stuff going on, holding it together. Some of it conscious and some of it unconscious because we're just in this mode right now, and it's creating, I think, a societal fatigue. We, you know, societal burnout, while we are also pushing happiness right over the edge of the horizon and. Um, it is concerning and we're obviously in the middle school story in the elementary story is talking about the, you know, the teachers and administrators and so think and the kids. So, so the other flip side of that, of that is, is the kids are also doing what they can to hold it together. And it's just a hot mess for lack of a better way to say it. And then uh, the breathe magazine crew says all too often, however, this, this longed for reprieve is marked Not by beach cocktails nor leisurely walks and indulgent lunches, but by miserably burrowing under blankets surrounded by crumpled tissues. Limbs that should be aching from dancing, hiking, or long abandoned gym classes are just aching. A head that should perhaps be pounding for possibly excessive but hopefully enjoyable reasons is just pounding. And wow, this brings me back to the conversation I was talking about yesterday with my colleagues because, um, in this person, you know, uh, this conversation, the people are, are active. We like to ski and run and and do stuff. And when she was, I was, I actually told her, thank you for being so honest, because I, I, I thought I, this, I could, I could relate to her too, because she's thinking it's like what, and, and she's, she's very well being oriented. She, you know, carving out time for the run or the ski. And she said, she finds herself kind of box checking, like now's the leisure time, check the box. And it's, it's, it's hard. It's been difficult for her, which I could relate to, too, to like, okay, now I'm skiing or now I'm running or now I'm walking or now I'm out in the leaves and the foliage, whatever. And it's it's not a complete let like letdown response like it used to be, like fully relaxed and you go back and rejuvenated. It's more like we're in this, with this momentum going, that's just this, this survival, stay with it, keep up the momentum because God forbid we slow down a little bit. We might crash and burn or something. I'm not really sure what, what the big fear is, but I I get it. I get, I totally got what she was saying. The walking in the woods is still fantastic, though. It still feels like it's part of the, it's part of the, 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 big ocean wave. It's all one. It's just, it's strange. And then Breathe Magazine continues. I first became aware of what's often referred to as the let or come down effect when I was at university. As exams approached, I'd approach study time with narrowed eyes and girded loins. I'd clear my social calendar, drink gallons of coffee, and burn the candle at both ends. Far from being, sorry, far from feeling exhausted, I would feel euphoric. Information pierced my mind and rooted itself in my psyche with startled clarity, lending itself to instant and perfect recall. I gobbled up words, pages, chapters. My highlighters highlighters, uh, bathed knowledge in a rainbow color. Just as clear and colorful my mind was the prospect prospect of the fun I was going to have once exams are over, yet almost as soon as the timer had signaled the end of the final paper, I would find that a sense I would find that a sense not of joyous relief but of exhaustion and torpor would overcome me the following week or even weeks would be spent not celebrating but wallowing at home, feeling worse than dreadful. It was as if my stress had been a superhero's cloak, and once it had fallen to the ground, all my antagonists swarmed and conquered. Wow. So I, I, this just seems so relative, you know, this after the storm thing, even with like the university example, that once we finally let down from anything, like again, fill in the blank, you know, we, we, we crash. But what's happened with the pandemic is it's been like, like a lasagna noodle like we kind of come out then back down, kind of come out back down but it's it's a it's only a slight wave because there's been this slow burn of we know it's we know it's not okay and it's not okay indefinitely. So how do we really fully let down from that is really the question. And then breathe magazine says as fanciful as this sounds, it's not that far from the truth. According to experts, periods of intense stress cause the body to react by releasing protective hormones which bolster the fight or flight response which has helped humankind survival for millennia and also mobilize various security measures keeping the antagonists which could threaten that survival function at bay. And you know we've we've talked about cortisol cortisol in previous episodes and this is one of the main, you know, the body's main stress hormones, and um, it's meant to, cortisol is a good purpose, right? It's meant to keep us alive. So when the, the the fight or flight response is flipped within the limbic system, the amygdala is in full tilt, you know, looking around for every kind of threat, that's that's meant to last, cortisol is meant to last in the body at the most about three hours, because most threats, even you know, as horrible as they are, most threats are done you know, kind of like within that amount of time. And so, and, and this can be triggered by not only the, you know, real threats outside of us, I don't want to say unreal, real threats created in our minds too. The brain doesn't know the difference. If somebody's, you know, about to stab us from behind, or we're thinking about that in our heads, you know, the, 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 the um, threat circuit is still kicked into gear. And so what happens when the cortisol is in the body longer than three hours what's meant to keep us alive wreaks havoc in the mind and body. And it's, it's like, it's like the Terminator, the, you know, the old movie with uh, Sylvester, uh, not, that's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. Rambo, either one doesn't matter. Um, With, with Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone with the semi-automatic automatic weapon. <clears throat> the idea is the same is that, it, you know, it's going off and it's, it's, there's a, it also, it kind of aims at the hippocampus, which, Is very involved in long-term memory, and it's just shooting it at, you know, it's firing away at very healthy neurons when it's, you know, kind of still running wildly in the veins long after the threat is over. So it's no big surprise, you know, that we feel like this hypervigilance that's, again, meant to keep us alive lingers and lingers and lingers and lingers. We end up kind of getting used to it and forgetting, you know, it's called desensitized, Obviously, um we become desensitized and unaware that we are still you know like in a foxhole looking for what's coming next because it becomes our everyday. so it's not as evident as oh, I feel like I'm all jacked up and you know ready for because we don't we don't even realize that we're doing that anymore, and this is largely the reason that you know for the brain fog and for the fact that we are you know, we're still going about our day and our life, our business with partners and work and everything else, taking care of kids. And we're just not aware of this slow burn ready stance that we're in. And then we find ourselves running and skiing like we were talking about, that it seems more like box checking because the brain knows we should do this, want to do this on some level, yet we can't quite totally let go, you know, it's enough to relax to the level that we used to because it's kind of like a soldier, you know, who's who's put on guard duty overnight and they're exhausted and they're trying to fall asleep. So, you know, excuse me, excuse me. So the mind, you know, starts to kind of go into a sleep because the guard is tired, right? The officer's tired yet he or she or they keep one eye open, you know, always looking for danger. And that's kind of where we're at right now as a society and world, I think is that we're exhausted, yet we still have one eye open. And then uh, Breathe Magazine says, as clever as our bodies and minds are at keeping us safe from harm, however, they are not always as savvy when it comes to differentiating between threats and appropriate responses. The result, when you let go and relax, so does your immune system. And everything that has been told, or sorry, been held at bay during that period of hypersecurity attacks. If you've been under pressure, we will often not have been looking after ourselves as best we might, explained psychologist and author Jessica Shivers. So our bodies will have been working extra hard to support our immune system. Once you stop, because the situation is eased, the chemicals in the body change, and that's when you may feel unwell. So that's the whole, that's the whole rest of it, is, if, is eventually if you are able to relax to that degree, which I think most of us are not quite yet. Then it's kind of like you know, like the whole deck of cards or the whole house of cards just just falls, because it's been holding up the fort and you know keeping on watch like that soldier against the tree for so 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 long that at a certain point it it gives in. Then uh, I I, li- I like how I guess because I'm a, a runner, we're kind of a, a running family. I like the analogy that Breathe Magazine makes about not just leading up to a race, but also when a marathon is, is over. Because this is really kind of, I think, what we all need right now, myself included. And they say, as well as mitigating stress while you're going through it, it also needs to be managed when it's diminishing. Consider the crash after consuming a lot of sugar. It's perfect for Halloween time right now. Or how training plans build in a a tapering off before race day, or for example, how a couch to 5K program demands a gradual buildup. Equally, the journey back down from peak stress to normal requires incremental decreases. I really like that because I think, honestly, this is what's happening because, you know, so many of us don't even know what to, there's no blueprint for this, right? We've been going for two years you know, with all this unpredictability and all this, you know, just uncertainty with so much that um, I I think we really could use, you know, sort of some sort of help with a plan with how to deal with the change in our stress level. Now that we are winding down. Marathon training plans, for example, advise periods of walking and slow short runs in the days following the event in the same way, says Jessica, look for opportunities to keep going rather than just stopping. You know, this is, um, at least for me, it's, it's timely because um, one, our oldest daughter just ran a marathon Sunday. And our oldest son is running a marathon this Sunday. And our, our daughters actually run a few of them. She's 28. She's loving it. She's right in the peak of it all. And she came back and she had you know, the usual kind of lactic acid buildup and things. And she doesn't like, you know, when it, you know, slows her down a couple of days afterwards because, um, and she admitted, she has to walk and stretch and do all this stuff because, you know, it's crampy when you come out of a marathon and, you know, this just, this was just this week. And so this is making a lot of sense to me. Um And also I did one myself years ago with that daughter when she was only 17 actually. And I remember you know, because that kind of the crampiness on that level is different from like doing a 5k or something, but you really, really do have to, you know, do a gentle, gradual, you know, wind down for the next, for me, it was a week. Cause of course, I think I was 47 at that time. I, I, whatever the math is on that. And, uh, you know, you for like, I did for a whole week, I had to do walks and you had to rub your legs and there's a whole coming out of it that I think is very, very you know, metaphorical for what we're dealing with, with a pandemic, because it has been, again, not just a marathon, but an ultra marathon, because, you know, the the finish line kept moving back. And I think we really need to actually not just be an autopilot, we need to have an actual plan for, you know, how to enter back in the game. And so that we're able to allow ourselves to fully relax on the level that we need in order to, fully rejuvenate and so obviously you know awareness is key here just like anything else we've we talked about we cannot we can't do what we don't know and we've also talked about you know listening to ourselves and having a conversation with ourselves just as we would a partner or a best friend because we're also we're so used to just putting one foot in front of the other and keeping on going, because we've had to. And now it's time to really kind of get real with ourselves and come up with some kind of plan, you know, for like, you know, pandemic recovery, I guess we could call it, for lack of a better way to say it. And while we learn to, you're learning to manage stress and big stress while we're still experiencing it is, is huge. It's a good skill to have. Because in doing so, we can, you know, prevent, you know, kind of like whatever the mental, you know, uh, example would be for, you know, a complete lactic acid buildup in the legs after a marathon, you know, the massaging and the slow and the slow walks and then eventually short runs, you know, really kind of bring ourselves back down and then to a lovely place of homeostasis where I think we would all really like to be right now. And what a great place to wind up. So this is Kimberly Quinn signing off from Northern Vermont. Have a mindful day.